Hello and welcome to Between the Lines. On this show, you will hear about and from lesser-known Canadian authors and writers who, for whatever reason, have remained under the radar of traditional publishers and publishing houses. If it has something to do with writing or the writing process, you are going to hear a discussion about it here. I'm your host, Randy Lacey, and I encourage you to grab your bevy of choice, get comfy, and get ready to go between the lines. People come into writing in several different ways. For some, it was the teacher at school handing out a writing assignment. For others, it may have been by reading and wondering if they might be able to write. Every writer has started their writing journey on a different path. Each writer's journey will be different, yet similar. But one thing all writers have in common is a different destination. On today's episode, I will be speaking with North Bay's own Colette Ledoux. Colette's first book, titled Broken Bread, A Gastronomic Journey into Healing, reached the number one bestseller status in nine categories on Amazon and was featured in the Canadian Celiac Association magazine this past May. Welcome to another episode of Between the Lines. I'm your host, Randy Lacey, and on today's episode, I will be speaking with North Bay, Ontario's own Colette Ledoux. Hello, Colette, and welcome to Between the Lines. Hi, Randy. Thanks for having me. Now, rather than have me read from a piece of paper and give a little bit of information about you, uh, I think listeners would rather hear it straight from the uh, horse's mouth, but I'm not calling you a horse, but you know what I mean. Why don't you give our listeners just a little brief bio uh, about who Colette is? Well, I'm uh, married 42 years in December. I live in Northern Ontario, North Bay. Uh, I was born and raised in Toronto, but we moved to North Bay in the early 70s. Uh, My father was a scientific neon glassblower, and he decided to retire here. My husband and I opened Ivan's Restaurant, a North Bay tradition, in 1985, which was initially established in 1945. So it is one of the few restaurants here that is a tradition. And then we started buying real estate through the course of owning the restaurant, and we sold the restaurant to our daughter in 2007. And so we're pretty much semi-retired without having the restaurant work. So I'm at home, I have my grandkids, and I paint, and I, when I have time, and pretty well, yeah, just have a very peaceful life. I'm sure with the restaurant, that kind of makes you guys a fixture in North Bay. The restaurant is very much a fixture. It was the original Ted snack bar that was opened by um, Ted Dashney, like I said, in 1945. It's a very interesting place. It it still makes the famous Prano Pops, which was uh, uh, a recipe from way back when. Yeah, it's it's a great little place. It's well known. It's 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 had a lot of national attention, and yeah, it's fabulous. And our, our daughter, we're very proud. Our daughter's done a great job keeping the tradition alive. And I just can't eat there. As if you read my book, you'd find <laughs> I'm at, being a certified celiac. All the food is off limit. But I bet you, if she knew mom was coming, she'd make something special. Yeah, well, she does. They do try to accommodate me as much as they can. My kids. Yes, it's. So that's exactly, we've just been very busy our whole entire life running a restaurant and establishing a, port, a commercial real estate portfolio. Wonderful. So we'll move right into uh, part one, which I call question period, because this is where I get to ask you some questions. Question number one, 
uh, was there any book or article or poem or what have you, which inspired you to begin writing? Well, you know, I'll tell you, Randy, the reason why I began writing is because there was absolutely no book that I could find. I, I searched to try and find a book. I was diagnosed with celiac disease in um, 2007, and I tried to find reading material. And I remember going to uh, uh, one bookstore, and on the shelf they had, you know, all these medical. And there was one little book that's spe- uh, specifically related to celiac disease. But it looked like it had been written in a lab somewhere in Siberia, you know, in the middle of the I don't know what century. And I thought, well, that's not going to relate to me. And then I kept looking and I couldn't find anything that related. It took me 10 years to finish it. And I know why now, because I could never have written it in, in a short time span. It, it, it sort of evolved as I evolved. Yeah, the gluten-free movement, once that took hold, there was so much misinformation. And then I was really motivated to write because I felt that I had something to say that actually made sense because so how widespread is celiac? Now, what was the other word you used? It's celiac disease. So how widespread is it? It's a hidden up epidemic. The, the numbers are staggering. But very few people are diagnosed. I don't think statistically I could be accurate, but I would say about 96 to 98% of people are still living with undiagnosed uh, celiac disease. And, of course, I in my book, I do not touch on statistics. I don't try to pretend I have um, any medical credential, credentials. So, uh, I'm, but it just in, in a general term, it's very, it's very common, but not, not very commonly diagnosed. And I think the reason is because there, it, it mimics so many ailments. You could have, you know, so many different uh, symptoms related to the disease and a lot of patients find they wait, you know, the, I think it's years for most people before they actually get diagnosed. I've uh, I've got a lot of friends who who are dealing with this, and I just wanted to find, write a book that people lay people could relate to. You know, once the once it became a craze, because there's a difference. There are people that are certified celiac, and then there are people who choose a gluten free lifestyle. And it's this is where things get very very confusing because they'll say, well, you know, she's not eating gluten. Is it a lifestyle choice or is you know? And for a lot of people, it's strictly a lifestyle choice. But then once people all started getting onto the bandwagon and wanting to eat gluten free as a lifestyle, not actually having an issue with the gluten, a lot of misinformation got spread. And I I say even in the book I said misinformation is spread spread you know quicker than a bong at a frat party like you 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 just you know you can't keep track of, of all the nonsense. I decided that I was going to stick for, even though it took me ten ten years to finish the book I I was held in on sticking with it because as you know the the, the whole gluten free movement all of a sudden I'm not like this little person going into a restaurant saying I need I have a gluten issue I'm one of almost every other diner with complaining that they have a gluten issue only if for me it was an actual medical condition <laughs> so uh, so everything evolved I the book took time but I I felt that you know it became even more of a reason to make sure I finished it because I wanted to be sure that the information uh, somebody who isn't a celebrity doesn't have a huge a lot of support. They want straight answers, not nonsense from Facebook. I felt that the book, you know, would provide, would provide 
not that it's all about celiac disease. It certainly isn't, but it is, it is the predominant thread in the book. Your book, from your perspective, from your writing, understanding and stuff, has it been well received? I think it's been very well received. Celiac disease is what prompted me to write the book, but the book is not entirely about celiac disease. It, it's, it's a memoir. So it, it's my story. And I think where I struggled over the years, trying, I finally did pull it together, but I realized that I was the spine. And the reason the book, I think, I'm happy with the end result, and I think the reason people relate to it is because I talk about growing up in Toronto's Little Italy when I had no problem eating anything I could eat. I mean, good grief, I could never get full. Like the first part of the book, it's written in three parts, is, and I do a lot of talk about threads because I am weaving a story, but it's growing up and having anxiety, and food was always that one comfort. There's nothing complicated with food. It always was your go-to for comfort or your go-to for you know, if you're going to have company, nothing like having serving food. You might not have a word to say to each other, but if there's food on the table, who cares? Your mouths are full. You know, it's all it's all good. The first part of the book is my childhood growing up in Toronto. The second part deals more directly with celiac disease, and I don't get into the medical terms, although it's very well researched. So I do make certain that what I am saying is actually the truth. Now I say that the the elves use gluten to glue toys together at the North Pole. I made that up, but who knows if there are, maybe the elves are using the gluten because it is a glue, right? So, but everything is very well researched. It's a very tongue in cheek book, but I certainly don't make light of it. And I don't try to, uh, I don't want to be flippant. So, uh, and then the third part of the book is uh, what I've tied everything together. So I do talk about the threads, like I said, the tapestry. And the third part of the book is when, as the years went by and I wanted to travel, but I was terrified of, oh, I couldn't imagine. How could I go to Italy and not be able to have a, a pizza or regular Italian food? But I, I do tie that. I did travel. I, I was able to survive it all. Um, I would like to come back in another life, and Leo, to be very honest, and not do it with the restrictions of my diet. But, yeah, that's, in a, in a nutshell, how it all came together. Oh, that's fantastic. And my philosophy is smart and simple. My entire life, I put my apron on, usually early in the day, because I've always had a home office, and I've, when the kids were small, they always knew supper was going to be ready. And But then when I was 47, I was diagnosed with celiac disease, and it, I, I, it, they may as well have hit me over the head with a, well, I don't know what they could have used that would have put me out but at any rate yeah it was all of a sudden I thought you are telling me people go to the moon and what sits on the head of a pin as far as uh, gluten is dangerous to me next question do you recall the first time you were inspired to write outside of a school or educational setting well I was inspired to write when I after I was diagnosed in 207 but my kids were the uh, my my daughter and my son-in-law just around the same time I was diagnosed they said to me that they thought it was a good idea I should I should write a book but you have to be inspired and you have to feel like you have the confidence it, it, you know to undertake something and I I don't know if I t- took it on as a as um I almost took it on as a dare you dare me to do this of course I'll do it thinking you know when you don't know what the hell you're doing that you're going to have it written in a couple of weeks I thought oh I can write a book no problem Wow. I mean, I proved myself to be not very bright when I started out because 10 years later, I finally ended up getting it published. I sort of went into it blind. I didn't know what I was up against and I didn't realize just how difficult the process would be. 
But I stuck with it, and it was very rewarding. And so there wasn't, I guess it would have to be the diagnosis. My life became so complicated. I, I There was enough reason there to prompt me to say, yes, this this should be this should be a book, especially when I couldn't find, you know, reading material. So. so is this is this real for you then, then to say the writing was easy, the follow-up or the follow-through was the most difficult part, or were they equally the same? Well, you know, I'll tell you, Randy, I loved the writing process, and I was blessed because I had a retired university English professor or teacher that took the project on as far as making sure, because I call myself the queen of grammatical errors. Like don't, nobody makes, I, I can calm on myself right out of a, you know, anyways. So the writing, I love the writing process. Everything was great. And now I forget your question. Was the writing part easier than the follow through with the, you know, the editing and then publishing or were they about equally as? They were, they were both about equally as, as difficult where the biggest problem I had was actually through the writing process of finding the spine of the book. I, I was too afraid to start the, the book. It was a memoir, but I, I didn't know people didn't know me. And I thought, well, if they don't know Colette, why are they going to want to read my book? And I kept trying to hide behind. I tried to stay out of the picture and stay in the background. That didn't work. It took me years to figure out that if the book was going to have a spine, Colette had to have a voice. It had to be mine. And then I went back to the drawing board and I started at square one back in Toronto in the sixties, little Italy. And I told my story and it, it did all come together. So yeah, it of course uh, the editing is never easy. Anybody who's gone through it knows. Yeah. It's a, it's a very difficult process, but the writing part was the most enjoyable and I'm glad I saw it through. And it was worth the effort then. Absolutely mind. worth the effort. Here's another one of my favorite questions. Were you a person who kept everything inside or once you started writing, were you like, here, look at this, look at this. I have to laugh at your question because I'm going to tell you, you know, when you first start writing the first couple of years, you think this looks Jim Bob Dandy. My gosh, this is wonderful. And you think you've written something that, you know, for all time, I didn't think I'd written like Harry Potter material, but I was, I was pretty sure that, you know, and especially when I had a teacher who was a, fabulous editor as far as checking things grammatically. So I'd send it off to so-and-so and then I'd send it off to so-and-so and then I'd send it off to so-and-so and you know, I'd get a tepid response and some of them would be very polite. Oh, and you know, it's, it's this or it's that it's nice. You're doing a good job. Years later, I could kick myself because I don't know why I felt like I, I, when I look back, I realized how silly it was because the book was nowhere ready to, for anybody to look at it or read it or, you know, it just wasn't. But I mean, it's part of the process. You're excited. You, you're writing for the first time. You've written something fabulous. And I look back at my notes. I remember I had 38 chapters in, in the book and I thought 38 chapters. Like I said, it took years to come together, but it did come together. And I'm extremely proud of the end result. I think it's, um, I always say it's not a snooze fest and it's tongue in cheek, but it's not flippant and I'm happy with it. I have a lot to say and I, I think what I wanted to say, I managed to, to say, you know? In 38 chapters. Well, now there's not 38. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I, I, I ended up doing it in vignettes. There's 19 vignettes. So, so you, you were saying that it's primarily a memoir. Yes. On your experience with, with celiac disease. Now, as a memoir, that would not be something people would expect to read a whole book about. 
It's done in three very distinct sections. The the first one is threading the needle. Now, this is when I discuss how I, you know, I, I my anxiety, my love of food, my love of Italian food, my attachment to food. And then the, the, um, the center part is learning to weave, which is when I, I, I received the diagnosis at 47. And then I had to learn to re, relive my life. I had to completely start over. Everything I thought about food, I, I had to rethink. Everything was going to be difficult. And then the third part is every every uh, tapestry needs needs a border because I then finally pieced it together, learned how to uh, navigate. And so it, it is definitely a memoir, but quirky. Yes, it's got a quirky tilt to it. It's an easy read. Very, I think it's very enjoyable. But it's it's not your standard. It's not a woe's me tale or a diatribe of any sort. I try to keep it ticking along nicely so people and, – and I also think even if you're not a celiac, there's so many people that are confused about the gluten-free movement. They, they just don't understand all the issues surrounding gluten. And then I also have recipes in it. I was just going to bring that up. I was just going to bring that up as a, one of those questions that I wasn't going to ask you, but I was waiting for the opportunity to ask you because I knew it was going to come up. So you have recipes. So – um, anybody could benefit from these recipes regardless, right? Yes, because every recipe can be made with or without gluten. And the one portion of the – I do have uh, Christmas recipes for um, the traditional French recipes that we, we – uh, sea pie. There's no fish in it, but it's a layer of meat and dough and onions. And, you know, the traditional French cooking is there. And these are recipes even for my kids that they'll always have. And they're, they're gluten-free, but they can all be, you can make them. And there's no reason I put them in there. It has nothing to do with, I don't care if they're high calorie, low calorie. Uh, mm-hmm. I wasn't trying to make a point about, if you want recipes that make sense to your diet, go online and find them. I just put my favorites in. All right, next question. What is your philosophy about writer's block? I I think the best thing I could do for me was to step away. I don't know how many people said to me, Colette, you are a lunatic. Why are you putting yourself through this? You've learned a lot. Just drop it. You can start another book. You can, you know, but there was absolutely no way I was, I was not going to just drop it. I, I was going to see it to completion, and I absolutely made certain that that was the case. So writer's block, I think you have to, I, I think you just have to believe in yourself. And if you believe in what you're doing and what you're writing, you're not going to give up. You just, giving up isn't an option. And it wasn't an option for me. That's uh, sensible. Is there a certain time of day where you found yourself more productive? I write at night. Most of my writing is done at night, through, through the night, the middle of the night. With having a home office, I'm frequently interrupted. It's the phone or it's – it's. I just found that writing at night was perfect for me. I could write. I was uninterrupted. There was no phone calls. So middle of the night, you wake up and you write something or – Yes, and then I'd go to bed and I'd be roaring like hell because I'd be laughing at something I wrote, and my husband would wake up and he'd say, "What are you doing?" And I said, "Well, you're, <laughs> I just can't stop myself from laughing because I think it's pretty funny." <laughs> and then he'd be laughing. So, but yes, it was nighttime was my best time to to write. It's it's a perfect time to be uninterrupted. I can't even tell you how many times I'd write a note. Something would come to mind, you'd write it down, and I'd have notes everywhere. And then I'd go back and look and think, what on earth were you thinking? None of it made sense. I might as well have been writing in Japanese because it didn't make sense. But at the time, 
it was so important that you jot it down, you know, and I find even at night, if you were, I'd get up and I'd have something I had to write. So I head right to the computer. What is the one aspect of your writing you would most like to improve and explain that? Oh my gosh. If I could start over, I would have taken a writing course years ago and I would have had the foundations of grammar. I've been lucky, blessed beyond words to have uh, Margaret, uh, uh, work with me doing all of the the grunt work as far as uh, making certain that it was masterpiece wise when you, when it came to um, being grammatically correct. I would like to. That's where I think I I could have I would benefit. And I think is finding the courage to. I would love to write another book, but this time I'm going into it with my eyes open. Have you thought about any of these uh, free online uh, writing courses? No, because I also paint. I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't rule it out. I certainly wouldn't rule it out. But I do have, I have painting projects that I've started, paintings that I, I'd like to finish. I always seem to have, I have a lot on the go. And I, we haven't done a lot with since COVID, everything came to a standstill with COVID. We sort of put our lives on hold. But I'm way overdue to resume traveling. We just can't wait to get back, you know, get back at uh, living our life in more in a more normal way, which would be to travel. And so I don't know. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm not, if I was 30 years younger, boy, oh boy, I would just swallow it up the, the whole writing experience and the whole, but you know, I'm, I'm not getting any younger. So. Yeah. But you know, I don't think age should uh, restrict you either though. No, you're right. You're right. I was, I was reading an article the other day. It's amazing how many people accomplish wonderful things later in life. Statistically, you're actually probably more likely to grant things later in life. So, no, you're right. No, you have a point. Absolutely. Uh, but, yeah, I don't, think, I don't think age is a restriction. Uh, so, like Barry Freeman, who I just uh, interviewed recently, he's 78, and he just published his first book. Wow. Uh, right now I'm doing a life-altering purge. I'm touching everything I own. Looking at it, touching it, sensing it, and then deciding whether I have to keep it or if I can let it go. And uh, until that's finished, I'm not doing anything. I'm not writing, painting. I'm not doing much of anything. But I will get through the process. I'm almost there now. It's been taking months and months. So going to your painting, what do you paint? Oh, I paint. I just paint with acrylics. You know, I have two little birds I'm looking at now that I love. Yeah, I, I just very simple very simple, very vibrant. I love vibrant color. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just amateur. <laughs> Randy, we're talking amateur. It's, I paint like you know, just for fun. My my little bluebirds would have made a beautiful book cover. I think you know what it was, Randy. To be honest with you, when it, you're publishing something, you're putting your story out to the world, and you're a first time right. You're a new writer, and it's your first publication. I think I I almost think it was too much for me to bear by having the painting, my painting on the cover and then my writing within the covers and my whole entire story. I, I don't know if it was a, a fear of being misjudged or not that it should matter, but of course it does. You you think, you know, what if some oh, I'm not buying that book with the lousy bird, <laughs> bird picture on it, you know? I don't know. It's just, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, I think it, I had thought of it. I mentioned it to the publisher. Perhaps I should use the birds, but... Um, I ultimately, I didn't. Do you think it might have been a sense of feeling overexposed? Uh, I, I absolutely think you're right. Yeah. yeah. I think you've hit that on the head. Yeah, absolutely. 
you just, you know, technically somebody might say, you know, that one feather's too short or the, I don't know. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just didn't want to put myself out there. I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. I don't know how this next question is going to totally relate to you, but I'm going to ask it anyway. All right. Uh, they say to read a lot in the genre uh, you wish to write in. Is that true for you? I read a great variety of books. I, I love, um, I did read, of course, Stephen King on writing. I read, uh, I have, I wrote some names because I can remember. I, I read um, The Memoir Project, Marion Roach Smith, which was, I thought for considering I was writing a memory would, a memoir would be a very important read. Yeah, I, I I have a very very uh, I do like memoirs, but I I have a really diverse. I but I do like stories that that are real. I don't mind fiction as long as it relates to something real. If if that makes sense to you, you know. It it, it makes sense. So we'll move on to uh, part two here, which I've you know kind of information location location. So uh, they say it's always about location 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 when it comes to you know, whatever that applies to. But in this in this case, this is going to apply to uh, information about, uh, more information about your book, more information about where they can find it. So this is the part of the show where you, Colette, get to talk about your published work or works and uh, your current work in progress if there is one. Well, I can tell you the book is available in North Bay at the Coles Bookstore. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. What am I missing? Bar- Amazon, of course, is the easiest way to get it. Nor- Barnes and- Yeah, and Indigo. Okay. Broken Bread, A Gastronomic Journey into Healing. Okay. And I, 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 I should mention it does say it is a memoir. And at the very bottom in small writing, it says, as told by a wee tad bit of a wreck. I wanted to be sure... If anything mattered to me, it was it was to make sure that the book was well written. I'm, and when I say well written, I'm talking about you know the way it was structured, the way you know I I just wanted it to be something I could always be proud of and and not worry about whoever was deciding they were going to read it would appreciate the um the quality of the writing and the and I and I think to that end I'm you know I did I did I'm happy with very very happy with the. Uh, with the result. It's an honest book. It's honest. It's, I think it's refreshing because I didn't follow any standard formula. I let the, it, the book sort of goes in a direction it, it goes in, which starts in Toronto and leads me through the years of dealing with my diagnosis. And I was also prior, prior to having celiac disease, I was diagnosed with um, uh, collagenous colitis. And then I was subsequently diagnosed with type two diabetes so I, I don't, it's not a book talking about poor Colette and all her, her ailments, but it, it's a book that people that do deal with autoimmune conditions, most which are unseen, nobody to look at me would think there's anything wrong with me, can relate to the book. You know, it's, it, it's a relatable, it's a relatable book. You know, we've, uh, we've been talking for quite some time here and up until I, you've mentioned your book, you've referred to your book, but this was the first time you mentioned the title of the book. The title of the book. Ah, that the title was tricky to 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 come up with. Broken bread was really a, a really tricky. I had a hard time 
actually finding a name suitable for the book. I didn't want it to sound like I was, uh, as much as I didn't mind uh, any, there's no religious aspect to it. Although I'm spiritual and I do talk about ghosts and the the book, I think there's, I couldn't even tell you this right. (laughs) I think I counted, I must mention 38 different animals and insects in it. And yet it's a memoir about food and people are going to say, well, how could you possibly do that? Well, it's, I'm quirky. It's the way I talk. And I mean, what comes to my, I talk about uh, a moth coming to a, to a lamp on a chilly night or, you know. So, yeah, so it is quirky. But Broken Bread is because I, I think the one thing I miss the most is eating bread with gluten. Just, and, but bread symbolizes so much more. It wasn't just the bread. I couldn't eat the bread. It's what the bread symbolizes. And Broken I'm broken. I could no longer eat the bread. You have to read the book. I, there's a lot of symbolism that goes into the meaning behind it. But after you read the book, and somebody had brought to my attention that there's a bird on, on, on the cover of the book. And he said, you know, birds really shouldn't be, you shouldn't be feeding birds uh, breadcrumbs. And it's not good for them. And I thought, oh, gosh. But in the book, I say, you know, um, I want to be reincarnated as a bird and I'm going to have a roost and it's going to be in Paris somewhere like near a bakery or on the bakery roof. I don't care if it's in the vines of a bakery and I'm going to be the bird eating the crumbs when people come out of the, out of the, um, out of the bakery. So, you know, the bread crumbs, the bird, it all fits it, it in a crazy way. The whole thing does all fit together and make, it makes perfect sense. This, this <laughs> might, you know, uh, tell people a lot about me but it made perfect sense to me (laughs) (laughs) well at the very last paragraph of the book i'm actually now reincarnated as the bird and i come back and i'm able to to um have my breadcrumbs the bird fit the analogy of the bird fit the broken bread fit i had it all fit together and i met i i had 10 years i had long enough to to sort out the nuts and bolts of how I was going to make it work. And I think, you know, but it is, like I said, it's, it's a quirky book. It's, you don't need tissue because you're going to cry or anything, you know? No, no. no so you, no. you kind of touched on this, uh, answered kind of this next question, but um, where does your writing go from there? Uh, are you currently working on something uh, and, or how close to being done is it? So, I mean, you've, touch vaguely on all three questions so if you I have a compilation of stories I've written but I haven't gone any further than to put them together or to revamp you know I'm and I and I do like I said I I, my intention is to continue writing but I, I and I have the time I have the passion and I have the patience but I, I the, right now, right at this very moment, I'm not going to pick up another writing, continue with any writing for and at least until the winter, the, the snow comes in and I can focus solely on that. Yes, I absolutely um, will continue to write. I just haven't got any news on, <laughs> on what or when. And I do think my next writing project won't take 10 years to complete. That I, for that, I'm, I'm, I'm positive of that. I, I'm I've learned so much <laughs> through my own mistakes, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said it looked like I was trying to put together a plumber's manual with the first one, but I've... If it gets those pipes fixed, who cares? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Can you tell everyone where they can find you on social media or what have it? 
I do have a website. It is broken-bread.ca. What Go was ahead. the purpose of the of the website? Was it to draw attention to your book? Do you have a blog there? Well, that it is a blog. Okay. And 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 I was trying to be dedicated, like you said, to writing writing it. But when you know you lose interest when you're the only one reading your own writing. And and other things, like I said, family-related got in the way. And I keep telling myself, Colette, you have to dedicate some time, go back, and start writing every day. Even if nobody shows up, you're you're going to do it every day. Absolutely. Um, but I, I haven't um, – I haven't uh, – it, it does need to have some attention. But other than that, I mean, I'm – that's it. It's broken-bread.ca. And if somebody comes to join me, I will carry a conversation. And it's hard to know where to take a blog when there's no feedback. So do people want to talk to me about um, something to do with cooking gluten-free at home? I am a very simple cook. I mean, I, I'm no smarter than the Swedish uh, chef on the Muppets, but I mean, I know how to handle a gluten-free kitchen. I'm perfect as far as simple, smart and simple. And I'm easy, um, I'm easily accessible. If somebody wants to talk, I, you can tell I'm not short of words. I trip over them <laughs> all the time, but I'm not short of words. So I, I but I, I just wouldn't know where to go with a blog until I figure out a way to connect with people. And then somehow, once I connect, I do think the conversations would go where they should go, you know, where they would naturally want to flow. So do you have a, an author's page on Facebook? I'm on Facebook, but I haven't got an author's uh, page. It's not for lack of trying, Randy. I, I started a Mrs. Fork and Pencil. Does that even make sense? I love it. <laughs> I think it was Mrs. Fork and Pencil. Well, you know, that didn't work. I, I'm not, I, I have to do more to promote and I and I feel lonely and I think you know it's a wonderful book you're always waiting for that one person to reach out and say you know I read your book Colette and I really connected with it and I've had a lot of wonderful reviews in the family and friends and you know I, uh, good reviews on the book but um I I just I this is I probably answering the question you answered a while ago about um was it hard to write the book or is it harder to to you know once it's launched I think this is where I struggle is I, I just don't know how to go about like launching something as, you know, I have a blog, like I said, I, I don't know, do I start another blog? Well, you know, it, there's only so many hours in a day and you do your best and I, I, and I'm satisfied. I think, you know what, if nobody finds it, then I still wrote it. It doesn't discount the fact that the book is there and it's, it's a lovely little book. And, but I do need help in the social media department. I'm terrible. I mean, I, I just Well, I'm wondering though, I mean, like, did you write the book to make lots of money and fame or did you write the book uh, with the hopes that whoever needs to read it will read it? I want to be just Colette and my toothbrush when I die. I need nothing. So it, I, why would you write a book for what? The only reason I, I wrote the book and I'm so happy I finished it is because it was a goal to, to, to do write it, do a good job, be something I'm proud of, but have a, a story to tell and to share. And there's so many people, especially when it comes to celiac disease, that really just have no clue or people are so misinformed on it, on the whole condition. They they lump me in with with uh, these gluten avoiders that are avoiding eating gluten because it's a lifestyle choice. They don't understand the the, the disease aspect of it. There's people, you know, I went into a restaurant in Sudbury 
um, last, not well before COVID. And I got to the door and I said, I have celiac disease. You're going to be able to com- accommodate me. And he said, oh, he said, uh, he said, honestly, he said, we had four people in here this afternoon with celiac disease. I thought, no, you did not have four people in your restaurant this afternoon with celiac disease. Because <laughs> statistically, it, unless uh, you, you, they all got on the same bus from a, from a celiac convention, <laughs> like statistically, <laughs> Not going to happen. You did not have four people. You might have had two gluten avoiders. You might have had one gluten intolerant. You know what I mean? I like but, vegans. Yeah, like it, it's. Yeah. No offense to the vegans listening. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> and the thing, and I would love to be uh, vegan, but what then? What am I going to eat? And I say, like you say in the book, like dryer lint. I'm not <laughs> like when you can't have sugar because you're diabetic. You're a silly guy. <laughs> you can't have. You can't eat anything. Like what? What then are you going to eat? And then you're not going to eat meat. So, it, you, you know, if you start, I, I, and I do say, I say it would be easier if I just liked dryer lint. It would be, can you imagine how life, how easy life would be? It oh, would there's be- so much of that stuff. No shortage. So we're coming to the point where I'm now going to ask you for, do you have any final comments you'd like to share with our listeners? I just want to, I would like to share that I, I, can I say that I wish they would read my book? Not because I want them to buy it, but I just really think anybody who's dealing with uh, autoimmune conditions would probably find it helpful. There is a, a classic quote, and it goes, knowledge is power. So by reading your book, they're gaining knowledge, which will empower them to either have knowledge or to better their life. Right. And you know what? If you've never had the ladu ragu, which is pork, meatballs, and gravy, if you've never had it, buy the book just for that. Because Mrs. Ledoux, my Mayor Ledoux, I'm telling you, the, the recipe enters sea pie, enters, um, uh, oh my gosh, the pork meatballs and gravy are wonderful. There's good recipes in it. It's, it's, uh, traditional French Canadian, but made gluten free. And yeah, there's a, and I do have, like I said, it's, there's not a lot of medical research, but it's a well-researched book. So there's a lot of information. You know, I talk about different, where it comes to the recipes or food, the difference between gluten-free flours or even staples in your kitchen. There's a little bit of the history on uh, Parmesan cheese or, you know, the difference between regular salt and there's, it's just, it's, that's why I say it's quirky. There's a lot of information in it and it varies from one end of the spectrum to the other. But this has been fun. This has been so fun for me, and I, I really appreciate you being willing to come on to, to do something that you might have not been comfortable with the idea of. So thank you so much for coming. Well, you're, you're very welcome. You've been listening to Between the Lines. In future episodes, I will be speaking with authors and writers from across the country about all things writing. If you liked what you heard, click the subscribe button to be notified of any and all new episodes or content. Be sure to visit me at www.therandylacy.ca. Thanks for your time and ears. Tune in, be inspired, and write on.